Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This September series of podcasts is sponsored by Sweetwater, who, for the month of September, are rolling out incredible exclusives. Like Fender Custom Shop GT11 Strats and Tellies at the Walrus Deep Six Voyager Combo Pedal. Plus major deals on coveted gear like the way huge Havelina Fuzz at a super low price while supplies last. And that's not all. September is Guitar Month and it's absolutely packed with mind-blowing giveaways. 48-month interest-free financing on many great brands and plenty of price drops, instant rebates and limited-time offers that you won't want to miss out on. Did I mention that Sweetwater is now a Guinness World Record title holder? To find out more, go to sweetwater.com, stop by their YouTube, or listen to the rest of this podcast series. And welcome to the Friday Special Podcast Series, a podcast series by Guitar Nerds, hosted by me, Joe Branton, and the resident Guitar Nerds pedal expert, Matt Knight. Hello. Every week on this uh, podcast series, uh, we're going to include a guest from the world of effects, and this week we're lucky enough to have Thorpey from Thorpey Effects here with us on the show. Hello. How are you doing? Hello. Yes, yes, we're all good. Um, now, in this podcast series, uh, Matt and I wanted to talk to those boutique manufacturers that um, well, I guess we feel have had a substantial impact on people's rigs, how they use them, and uh, you know, those people who have re- created things that, are, while still boutique, are appearing on boards, you know, alongside Boss, Strymon, TC, etc., the world over, and, you know, on, on pretty much every Instagram post you can see. And that, that obviously includes Thorpey Effects. Um, so yeah, so it's uh, so it's great to actually get to talk to you. It's the first time we've ever had you on a on a on a guitar nerds episode, and it's something that we're trying to do um, a load more. Basically, because we, we've me and Matt have got really bored with Mark and Jay, so we're just trying to do this <laughs> this separate series where we actually get to talk about equipment. I mean, literally, Jay just owns a Watkins copycat, and I'm pretty sure Mark just owns a a Boss Tu2 tuner. So um, yeah, so it's. Uh, it's it's nice to talk about effects. It's nice to talk a little bit more in depth, I guess, uh, about gear. Well, I mean, we do talk in depth about gear, and you know, as Joe said, I I am in the podcast the resident pedal expert. But when people like yourself are on it, I'm a bit like, yeah, well, I don't I don't really build them, so <laughs> I can I can comment on capacitors yeah. and tone. But <laughs> 
That's all you need. Don't That's worry. All you need. Yeah. Just make it up. Yeah, exactly. Nos. Well, you know, true bypass. You know. Well, I mean, to 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 I guess kick it off, and 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 for listener, if if you're not aware of Thorpe effects, Thorpe effects are actually relatively new in comparison to you know the most effects brands i think that are on people's lips as much as thorpe effects are because you've been making pedals since 2014 which is uh which is not an especially long time yeah the brand launched november 2014 and we released our first product april the 1st 2015 just to make it <laughs> fun you know <laughs> <laughs> what what was the first uh, pedal in the thorpe lineup so the first pedal was the gunshot overdrive and um yeah i've been working on it for a little while so i've been building pedals for blimey bloody hell uh, since year 2000 really uh, around that 2002 actually and um what took you 14 years to decide to make it into a, a thing well that's a str- well i had a proper career uh beforehand i don't mean to say that building pedals isn't a proper career <laughs> <laughs> um, but i worked for her majesty's government and um i you know it, i was very very busy and i was going down the career path of you know training up as a bomb disposal officer explosives expert blah 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 and um just as you do yeah <laughs> and uh and i was doing this as a hobby a part time thing uh, just to relax, weirdly. Oh. And so it took me 14 years because actually I was going to launch the company in 2008, but uh, I was going through some uh, marriage difficulties with my previous um, my previous <laughs> Mrs. Thorpe and uh, I decided against it. Right. That's uh, it. <laughs> sorry, that's really, that's far too much information yeah. there. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah. At least you said it and we didn't drop that one in. So I hear there were some problems at home. Well, listeners, welcome <laughs> to the new counselling sessions provided by Guitar Nerds. <laughs> Do you know what? If you speak to any military person, you'll, you'll they'll be rare if they don't have marriage problems. You're away so much. It's just one of those things. Sure, you know? sure. And I guess we should also point out you're, you're actually uh, an MBE, right? I am, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. What an honour! And oh, you build pedals. You've got to be the first pedal builder with uh, with that. I'm sure. I don't know. Maybe Jim Marshall. But oh, I did, maybe uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe Jim Marshall. I think. Um, I'm not sure. Is it Clive Orange? I'm not sure what he's. Yeah, but um, to ask him. You know, Jim didn't actually build the pedals himself, though. So, so yeah, maybe, maybe so you got one up on him. That's yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, you screw you and your multinational company. I'm doing all right. <laughs> so the so the first thing you put out so in 2014, the first thing you put put out was a drive. Yeah, um, and and kind of a, I guess I guess drives and fuzzes have been something that have dominated your lineup since then as well. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. I mean, so you've got to bear in mind that when you do these things, a lot of the time you do things that you're passionate about. Now, I absolutely love analog effects and I particularly like fuzzes and I particularly like drives and boosts and things like that. Um, where things are changing up now is we are trying to expand our modulation line. So I've right. released a chorus and we're working on a flanger. And, well, okay, so yeah, the deep the deep organ is the, the chorus vibrato that you put out. Yeah, that's right, yeah. There's not another one, is there? There's not another chorus? Uh, uh, no, 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 that's it. And then we've 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 got a flanger in the works. Oh, that's exciting. Well, it's it's done. 
Um, right. <laughs> it's worked. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's done. It's ready. Uh, and I'm in the process, you know, you know how things go, Matt. I'm in the process yeah. of, of getting down that path I, of, I, I to launch. That was the sort of question that sort of I had, obviously. So, you you know, you'd launched a company officially in, in, in 2014 and you'd been working on it for a while. The one thing I want to know is how, obviously, you're you're the the man in in front of the whole company so your whole heart and passion goes into the into all the projects how long did it take you to come up with the chassis design because obviously that's the unit i think that's there's so many pedals out there and so many great pedals and so many great builders and there's obviously people have capitalized on that and said well we make enclosures and we'll print enclosures and we'll print your circuit boards and all this sort of thing and you're still so much hands-on and actually you've gone down the route of building your own chassis you have this is kind of this is the ultimate question this is this is early to bring in this question because really that is the thing isn't it for thorpe effects it's just that these chassis are um are so far away from the the beaten track of you you know because there are a lot of boutique effects companies at the moment and some of them are coming up with you know amazing looking graphics that are really kind of giving them their own identity but i don't think i don't think there's anything out there that's done it quite as much as a Thorpe effects and you know i kind of said it in the intro to this podcast that's sort of what we're talking about those pedals that you notice when they are on a board and you always notice a Thorpe effects pedal when they're on a board so yeah yeah i guess you know uh, i can probably elaborate on this um so i would say that actually boss were one of those companies that i wanted to emulate in this regard and i'm, I'm quite happy to say that because boss did their own thing and they did it very early on in the 19 19- 70s you know when they moved from the c1 to the c2 and all that sort of stuff and the sd1 and anyway that stands a boss pedal apart you can look at any pedal board you go yeah that's a boss you don't you don't even need to know what it is you go yeah that's a boss and so for me i could do the whole me too thing and go um you know, this is mine's the same as everyone else's. Well, why is yours different? Well, because it sounds different. Yeah, but you know, ultimately, that's a given as far as I'm concerned. So, what I wanted to do is, I'm an engineer. I wanted to not only look different. The look different is a consequence of trying to engineer things differently. And some of the things that I like were like with Boss. You can't tread on the knobs on a Boss pedal. I also want- uh, I was I was going to bring that up. I was because that's one of the things when you talk about engineering, the fact that you've recessed the controls in the same way that a boss pedal does and that's one of the most unique things about boss that's strange that so few other companies have adopted because it's hard. The problem right. is it costs more. All of all of that if it's if it's difficult and especially you what well, you got to understand with a lot of companies in the boutique world and, and ours notwithstanding, you know, it's the same for us to do that costs money it just does and when you start off that is money you don't want to spend necessarily you'd rather spend the money on the the internals and all the rest of it of course but i thought it was so vital to do that that i found the money and just paid for it and it wasn't insubstantial you know it it costs a lot of money to do that yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there are there are two. Is it two or are there three different chassis sizes? Uh, well, initially we had two, uh, and then we and then I reinvested last year and shrunk them a bit, right? Because just to go with what the market wanted. Um, I think like 
I don't want to do mini pedals because I'm an 18 stone bloke and I'm just going to kick them over and smash them up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt, you, the, Matt, Matt hates a mini pedal. I hate a mini pedal. Your foot's the same size. Your foot's not mini. <laughs> I'm going I'm to go on a rant here. I'll tell you why I hate mini pedals. <laughs> Aside from my size 11 feet, okay, and my stupid body weight, um, regardless of that, because of the size of them, the jacks have to go on the side. And guess what? When you put the jacks on the side, they take up virtually the same amount of space yeah. as a normal pedal with top mounted jacks like ours. So what's the point? Just yeah. have something that sits stable, doesn't float around. Otherwise, just stick it in your pocket and be done with it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the future. Maybe we're all missing the trick here. Oh, <laughs> there we go. We'll trademark that. Pocket pedals. <laughs> pocket pedals. <laughs> By Guitar Nerds and Thorpe Effects. There yeah. you go. But um, I think what's really interesting is you, you, know, you obviously made a conscious decision right at the beginning to go, that's what I'm going to do. I mean, I actually, I remember sending you a message quite maybe a year or so ago where I saw one of your old, you know, just a copy circuit, clone circuit you'd obviously built and just put a name on it on eBay about a year ago. And obviously that's when you were just making pedals way before Thorpey kind of even existed. Yeah. And um, yeah, I th- you know, I think that's the great thing is that, like you say, like a, a boss pedal or, uh, you know, other unique designs, you know, it's the Thorpe pedal as soon as you see it and it, it helps stand out. And that's like a strong marketing presence that you can't, you can't, like you say, if you're on a pedal board with a bunch of other pedals that all look the same, how do you stand out? But instantly people are drawn to your, to your products and then that makes them want to plug it in. I think it's just a, a genius move that to kind of really, like you say, invest that money. So to be honest with you, I did all that work because I I knew I had to stand out, right? Fact, one way or the other. And I I was I don't know if you're aware, I used to live right near Dan Steinhardt of that pedal show, okay? And we lived in Swindon, uh, both of us. I mo- I've moved away from Swindon now, but um I used to build effects for him occasionally. Like he had a need for, say, a fuzz or something like that. And I'd, I'd build it in a standard sort of Hammond box. I told him that I was planning to do launch my own company. And I was thinking of doing this. And I was thinking of doing it a little bit more individual. But I wasn't sure about whether the money was worth investing. And actually, he was the one who I would suggest gave me that push over the edge. He was oh, like, really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes you need you need a little bit of assurance from someone say actually you are on the right track actually you should do it this way and he was that guy because he was very helpful in just i don't know he just pointed me in the right direction of research and said right go and have a look and see how many effects pedals there are and see how many look different and it was it was at the time it was probably i could count a couple of brands on 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 you know my fingers that's yeah. it mm. and um and that was it for me so i just then from that point on i was like yep yeah, good and he was the first person who saw what i designed um and I wow that's, yeah. that's, no, that's great cool. oh, that. what, what a great person to have as a sounding board as well with like you know what, what an important cornerstone of the uh of the sort of gear community to get to live near and get to use as a as total a flute, board. total yeah. flute that we live near him. But yeah. uh, he's a, he's a bit of a legend, and absolutely, he's got got. I tell you, he has absolute golden ears, and you know, I he has told me in the past when I've showed him something, he's gone, yeah, that needs fixing. This, 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 and and do you know what? That's so important because if you don't have that, you're just going to release it because you think it's great. Yeah, and no one thinks their kids are ugly. 
It takes someone else telling you think, um, that your kids are bloody ugly. It's, it's, it's funny, actually, because I, I sort of had a similar question for Brian, Brian Wampler in the fact that it must be difficult when you're designing pedals to kind of maybe have to... You, you come to a crossroads where you're like, I would do it this way because that's how I want the pedal to sound, but no one but me will buy it. Yep, commercial or suicide. I can go the other way, <laughs> and I can actually build a product that everyone's going to want, but it might not necessarily be a pedal that I would maybe personally use or a sound that I. Well, yeah, let's 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 lead into that then. Let's when you're you know when you're when you're breadboarding, then this is normally your question, Matt, on these podcasts. But but when you're breadboarding, have you ever uh, sort of been forced into making a decision for the for the greater good, as in you know making something? Uh, that isn't necessarily a hundred percent what you want, but you think will make the the pedal maybe more, you know, utilitarian, so everyone can use it a bit better. Have you ever backed out of something? Every time, really, <laughs> literally every time. And, I, and I, I'll tell you why. Um, so, say so my specialism, and we, in a previous career, was uh, I was suppose you describe it as being involved with weapons development and procurement okay now that doesn't make me evil it's just it was just part of the job okay (laughs) you might think it makes me evil but anyway um part of that was trying to get kit and equipment into the hands of soldiers who were going to be under stress okay and they were going to design you design this product so that when they're under stress they can use the equipment and use it without even thinking about it so you don't put unnecessary handles on it you don't put stuff on it that's going to stab them in the face as soon as they uh, you know hit, hit some sort of explosion or whatever and you don't make the thing super complex because a human being under stress goes to pot that's just the way it is right and so you need it to be intuitive now with regards to my pedals i just took the same approach or i do take the same approach not and because that is incredible. Like just the fact that you must be the only pedal manufacturer who is taking these, and 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 what you're talking about there could kind of be applied to anything, even outside of outside of weapons as well. What, what what you're talking about is thinking about things from an incredibly pragmatic perspective, and you've been able to introduce that into the pedal world. Yeah, because I mean, my my trade as a bomb disposal officer is is it's naturally stressful. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter whether you're under fire. You've got something down the road that can kill you, right? Sure. And I'm, that's just the way it is. So what you have to do is unpick all of that. You roll back. You try and remove that stress as much as you can, and everything that you have should work. Now, I'm not saying that you know being a guitarist is the same as diffusing a bomb or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is being on stage whether it's your first time, your 20,000th time, is really stressful and you've got enough to think about. You don't need 6,000 switches, 20,000 things to go wrong. What you need is something that when you turn it, it's so intuitive, it's done. Absolutely. That's that's my approach to things. Now, other people adopt a different approach and that's equally as valid, but... I prefer to do it this way, just because sure. of experience. I guess, hence your, you know, you, hence your very, very analog uh, uh, approach to everything, and, and and I guess you know 
avoidance of of anything digital well sort of i mean i i'll have to be you know i'll be honest with you i don't have the digital skill set i don't have what joel court has i don't i don't have that knowledge yet well i think it's um one interesting thing that you mentioned uh you know joel from from chase bliss is actually you know recently he came out and and said you know look we're working on this looper and we basically don't have someone who's got this particular set of of knowledge and we need someone and we'll pay them to do it and actually i think it happens a lot i was talking to i was talking to someone at nam and they were like oh yeah i just i got x to do it and i think a lot of people actually consult robert keely because he's like you know a D- he really knows dsp and i think unless you've sat his and son, learned that language particularly yeah, yeah his son just, particularly um, it's um, not an easy thing to get. I mean, I've seen people code um, in in our head office and gone, I no idea what. It's, it's like the Matrix. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh, brilliant. Where's Keanu Reeves? <laughs> um, but no, no, I, th- I think do you know what. There is a saying. I heard it yesterday actually uh, as well. It's, it goes along the line. What's the difference between genius and stupidity? Well, a genius knows their limits, and a stupid person doesn't know that they're stupid. And so you know what you've got to do is you've got to park the ego for one second and actually just go. You know what? I can get someone who's a subject matter expert on this. Now I personally. I'm not a subject matter expert on anything to regarding DSP. Just I'm not. So when I move into that field, which we will, um, I will make sure I hire someone who's absolutely a subject matter expert in that field. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I, I kind of I want to talk about you know future expansions in the range and stuff. But yeah, um, before we, uh, I guess before we leave, like the topic of uh, you know talking about how how unique the chassis were and i'm really glad there was a like a really strong sort of story behind that and how much that was such a uh, such a consideration for you to 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 make the thorpey effects pedal stand out physically as much as everything else but it's not just that that gives uh thorpey effects their their uniqueness it's also the the names now obviously we've spoken about your um your, your history and job background uh already but but you, you've named everything with a very, very specific theme. Yeah. I mean, there is an argument to say, go with what you know. You know, when you spend, <laughs> when you spend 20 years in a field, uh, guess what? You're, you're going to be influenced by it. And the great thing about that is, like you've already said, it's a little bit niche. It's a little bit weird. And consequently, the likelihood of someone in the pedal world having had the same experiences as me and able to draw those names makes my life so much easier because I can name something and not worry about it because yeah. the like, you know, another pedal company just isn't going to go down that route. Sure, absolutely, yeah. and you get a lot of repeat names, and you know, everyone's trying to think of the next play on words to sort of say clon without saying clon you know <laughs> yeah. yes absolutely cylon yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> spacey clon that is yeah that's, yeah. Uh, yeah great so, gonna do that. so um is this is i guess sort of uh leading into talking about sort of the future expansion of your range and i i guess this is an incredibly obvious question and probably one that you can't answer but i i'd be interested to know if you have a favorite thing that you've made in your lineup like something that had an especial spark that when you finished you were and i'm sure it's the case with every pedal but was there something that really just really was everything you ever wanted to make yeah okay so current lineup i've got to say that's the fallout cloud for me because I was trying to, at the outset, basically nail a particular tone from a particular type of big muff. 
right? Right. They're, they're all Goldilocks pedals. Too much of this, too little of that, and they're they're amazing. And the original designer, hats off to him. But to try and clone something is not my thing. I just don't want to do it. I, I, I will try and do something different. Anyway, so what I wanted to do is get the Sonic footprint right. And the Fallout Cloud, or as it was, the Muffroom Cloud, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, sought to emulate that particular pedal, that particular sound, and then add and take away from that so that you, there was a load more. Now, the thing is with that, that pedal, when I plugged it in, gave me goosebumps. Um, which is so lame, but it, it, <laughs> Not it, at all. it really did. Because I plugged it in, strummed an open E, and that's it. You're like, whoa. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I implore anyone to go and give it a go, you know. Just try it because it's hilarious. And the smiles I see on people's faces <laughs> is just amazing. It's, um, is there anything that you... I mean, maybe you can, maybe you can't answer this, but is there anything that you're sort of you're working on circuit-wise if you worked on you've just had to park it because you're like i'm just not you can't you can't quite finish it it's like it's what they say like red light syndrome you know when you're in a recording studio is there one that you're just like you keep going back to and it's still just not right yeah but <laughs> i got it done this year and it's not right it, i'm not even gonna i can't i can't say why but right. um it's done it took four years oh Right, it, I, I'm surprised I'm not bold, but uh, but I'm happy. I'm over the moon. Great, great. Oh, well, nice. Yeah. I mean, if you take four years to to make something, yeah, I, I really, I really hope that you are really happy with <laughs> no, it by I, the end. It's I, uh, it was hard work. I nearly, you know, I was like, oh no, is it ever going to end? And is there is there any sort of? I mean. Again, the great I think the great thing uh, about you and the times that we talked about you on the pedal. Obviously, you've got things like. The Fallout Cloud, which, like you say, is... Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's kind of like your favorite Big Muff, but nothing stands out instantly as like, this is a homage to this. It, everything seems like your own design. But is there a, a circuit that you would like to attempt? 
like something you'd like to go i kind of like to have something that's a bit like this or do you really just want to kind of start from a blank canvas and just build up from that do you know what one of the things that's very very difficult in the in the guitar gear world is is trying to sell something that doesn't have a touchstone so if i made a new overdrive or in fact sorry we'll go a different route say i made a phaser and i didn't tell people that it could emulate ye olde ancient phaser from ye olde land oh this mm. is a fantastic point i would not be able to sell the thing it would it... be really hard so unless it was one of the most crazy noisemakers that was ever thing and then someone like i don't know a very famous guitarist john mayer say just started to use it on a song and that became that song it it's a very hard sell to traditional guitarists yeah yeah you you were absolutely right and as soon as you're in that analog world as soon as you're aiming at these sort of standard range of effects like you know, not, not, nothing that you're making is trying to be something like the Metaverse Air Trash, for example, you know, which is just supposed to be, you know, weird, crazy noise that no one other than sort of Nick Reinhardt and Terry Mellis would be able to make sound of. As soon as you're trying to make something that is essentially traditional, I guess the effect thing, I've never thought about it, but I guess effects pedals suffer from the same thing that the guitar world does in that, you know, if you make a traditional guitar if you want to make a traditional guitar you better make it look like a telecaster or a jazz master or something because otherwise you know people aren't going to be interested yeah i mean what the way to do it is what we're trying to do which is go okay um so the the deep in chorus i know what choruses i really like i like the electro harmonics small clone i think it's a small clone yeah yeah and then it's uh the boss c1 the boss c2 and then the roland jazz chorus so these are all chorus sounds that i really enjoy um and and they're on classic records and they're amazing okay i also like things which are a lot more syrupy um and so what i did when i set out is go okay well they're my touchstones that's what i want to be able to hit sonically and how can i make a pedal that can do that and do a lot more and so that's where the deep hogging you know p p particularly came from it went i want to hit those sonic footprints and now i want more because i'm greedy <laughs> uh, and, and i do that with every pedal so anything that i want i want to be able to cover off a little bit of ground and it might only cover that ground in a very specific setting but over and above that it needs to do loads more yeah. So, speaking of the deep organ, I was thinking about this the other day. Is there? Is it just that there's so much going on in the circuitry that it that you had to put it in the larger chassis? Mate, that pedal is rammed to the gunnels, and there's no is battery it? in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Because I was just, I was like looking at it, and I was like, but it's the same amount of controls that you can fit on your smaller what? size on the drives. And I was like, no, I guess it must be completely rammed because I, I think it's the only double pedal with like a single. With just one foot switch, and it's off to the off to the side, which yeah. has pissed. Uh, sorry, has annoyed everyone. Has it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course it has. <laughs> but, I mean, part of that was I wanted the artwork to sit where it did, and part yeah. of it was because that if I moved the foot switch, and then I had I had to be really careful with the wiring because the way that the circuit board was laid out, if you run the input and the output near the clock you end up with a ticking noise that comes through. It, loads, <gasps> loads of chorus. Really? Yeah, loads of choruses are, <laughs> yeah. are afflicted by it. I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah. So what you have to do is you have to keep the inputs and the outputs away from the clock. 
uh, within the circuit. And if you do that, guess what? Things are quiet. Or you can do it in the you know lazy way, which is to shield the output and all the rest of it. But you'll still hear it when you've got gain running into it. Right. Now, the depogging was designed so that it works with gain. And so because I want the gain to be run into the depogging, I can't have clock noise on the on the pedal because it will just go and that is rubbish yeah <laughs> that's uh the, the amazing oh, you know I, I appreciate matt you probably knew that but you know from a from a layman's perspective that that sounds that's such a ridiculous thing to have to consider i think consider um, with. i think what's what's great as well is, is hearing those uh stories from you about building pedals the stories that i've kind of learned from working at boss and they're the cool little things that when that information gets out there through telling people at shows or people listening to this podcast, I think that's just a really nice story that adds a touch more character to your your product. And it and it feels way more human, I think, at that point as well. Yeah. It doesn't feel like someone's just gone, oh, well, I've dragged a C1 uh, circuit diagram off, off wherever and I've just built that and I've put it in my own box sort of thing. It feels like you've... You know, there's there's all that thought and 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 human touch to it, and I, and I guess what's interesting with that pedal as well is you also collaborated with Dan Coggins of of Love Tone, yeah, like well, the, the pet the the kind of the original boutique pedal people, I guess in in some way. Correct, and that man is an absolute genius. You know, when I sit down and work on something, something it can take me a month, he can do it, and I'm not I'm not even exaggerating. Ten minutes. It blows my mind how <laughs> how, how cool. Like, it's just and 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 he's he's this encyclopedic knowledge. Really, he he is a bit of a legend. And and you know and that saying that the depogging still took us ages to get right. Really? Yeah. Despite all of that, we were, you know, we were. I have to say, we were very critical of of what we wanted there and. We neither of us wanted to go. Oh, this is a straight up clone. We're just not that way inclined, either of us. So, if you're gonna do something and put the effort in, do it properly and try and improve the game. Now, in the analog realm, that's quite hard because, in theory, this we've got decades of experience in this. So, how do you improve it? Well, we thought we did, and 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 then it wasn't good enough. So we carried on, carried on, and in the end, we had to freeze the design because we got to the point where we were picking the tiniest criticisms and ultimately that's when you pull out the ogs the ones that your touchstones were and you compare them to them and you go how have i improved over that and then the product's done that's how we do it anyway mm. amazing that's yeah that's uh... and, and I, I think um one product that really shows that as well in a way and against almost your own product and i know it was something personally i hounded you about was the heavy water which is obviously taking the boost side of of the dane and you haven't just put that in in a standalone box and i thought that was when i saw that i was like that's just brilliant i'm so glad you did that because it would have been so easy for you to just go oh, i'll just stick the boost in a in a in a chassis we already make those and we already do the circuit and i think you've yeah really improved upon what was already a great boost well, the answer is live by the sword, die by the sword. I can't turn around and say, oh, I want to improve on anything. Oh, but if it's my product, well, I'll just leave it because I'm a lazy ass. Um, <laughs> life isn't like that. You've got to go for it. And, and I think part of that was down to the fact that actually having gone through the prototyping stage and it went through a number of iterations, the heavy water, I ended up on that iteration because it sounded best. Mm. And, and that's it. 
that there was no other consideration. It just sounded best. Yeah, to me. I think um, I think it's cool. Do you think there's a, a a limit to how many drives you could you could make or have in a product line? Obviously, there's some companies out there. I mean, you know, when we were talking to Brian and you know we've we've spoke to the guys at Earthquaker and you know they're they're companies now that have got 40, 50 pedals in their lineup. And when you're sticking to an analog realm. Drives are always the ones that people gravitate to in terms of building. Do you think there's a point where you'll say, oh, I've sort of covered yeah. drive, as it were? Yeah, I, I, I think you could say that. I mean, what I would say is everything's a balance. So I've told you my passion is furs and drive. Cool. I will also do the flanges, the delays. I've done the compression. We've done a tremolo. We will do other things that will add to the palette uh, of effects pedals. And hopefully in each iteration that, you know, I sounds like a salesman here, but I'm trying <laughs> to make the best of what I can. Well, absolutely. And, and you, you improved on the, the Fat General, the, the compressor. You released a, a second version of that as well. Yeah. So the Fat General, yeah, it became the V2. And it's, I mean, that's a, that's a pedal actually that's interesting because that's actually based on uh, Dan Coggins' Um, he had a company called Dinosaur, and this was his OTC, his compressor. And we had the conversation. I said, actually, I think it can be improved, and here's what I want to happen. And so we did it. It is improved. It's got lower noise floor, and um, it's readily available, whereas the other one is now out of production mm. um, and highly collectible. It's quite funny. So if you're, you know, you want to spend several hundred pounds on a collectible, that's great. Or you could just buy one that's in, you know, readily available, which is an improvement on that. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It's up to you. But anyway, the point, the question, you know, have I done drives? I've done up until now. I'm really happy. I've got other stuff to work on that I definitely haven't conquered fuzz in any way, shape or form. I've got loads to do in that realm. Um, uh, but for now, I think boosts, I'm done. Yeah, Drives. I've got some interesting things afoot, but I want to do the other things first. Mm. I see. I, you... I, I, I want a, I want an analog delay. Make it happen. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what? You and everyone else. Um, right? <laughs> and, I, and I'm with you. I really am. But here's the problem with that. And, I, I, and I, I'm going to do it, but I think I'm going to end up doing some sort of two-tier approach to it. The re my I told you about my touchstones. The problem I have is one of my touchstones for analog delay is the Moog MF104M super oh, delay. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. I own one. They sell for a ridiculous amount of money now. It is, to my mind, one of the best analog delays that has ever been made. Okay? Not to everyone's taste. The the Ibanez AD9, amazing. Oh, the AD9, absolutely. Bo I would find it difficult to top. Yeah, absolutely. Boss DM2. In fact, the Wazza version is amazing. Actually. Yeah, the Wazza version is outrageous. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, even the carbon copy is an amazing pedal. There are so many good delays. Now, the question is, where do you go in the analog realm to improve on that? Well, I'm not going to tell you because we're, we're working on that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just going to take time. The, the problem is delays put me well out of my comfort zone. They absolutely do. And I'm, I'm quite happy to say that. But when it comes and when it's ready, it should knock people's socks off. Oh, that's now that's exciting. Oh, that sounds good. 
I want it now. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is, you know, I, I, I guess, I, I mean, I, I don't talk about it too much on, on the podcast because I, you know, do keep some work things separate. But I think it's really interesting. And maybe you feel the same as when I know thing, things are happening in, in the future. And I'm like, I want it now. And I'm not even the engineer, you know. And I think when you've got that passion about your own product, it, it just flows out in into the rest of the into the rest of the world and into the people trying it and i think now if you're prototyping stuff going yeah it's gonna blow people away i think you're sort of already on the road to success at that point because you're just you're so confident in your in your own product you hope so i mean the, the problem is you you do get a bit nervous about these things but it's it's back to that am i going down a route of making something just for me or am i making something that's commercially um mm. successful mm. ultimately you know, delays are one of those things. They end up being expensive because of what goes into them, okay? That instantly makes it harder for people to afford. And actually, when you look at the price-to-effort uh, ratio, um, you know, actually, delays are very much skewed compared to a basic boost or something mm. like that. So when you do one, you've got to do it because you really want to do it. Yeah, right. It's well, never going to be the money maker. Well, I, I guess no, um, I guess all. a lot of your pedals are, you know, two. I mean, the most expensive one in your line is what two two four nine. Yeah, that's right. On your website, and you know, I think even Chase Bliss said, you know, look, we're doing the blooper, we're doing, and it's going to be the most expensive pedal we've made. And they have yeah. a five hundred pound pedal already. Yeah, yeah you know, and that's, yeah. yeah. So that's you know, they've already said, look, it's going to be five hundred, and I guess you kind of have to build that into your business and go. Actually, you know what? If we're doing it the Thorpey way and we're building this analog delay pedal and we're using the parts and that we want to use and it could be another hundred, two hundred pounds on top. You know, I guess that's sometimes that can be a difficult decision to make because you're like, will people spend that much money? Um, um yeah, you're right. And you know, it's always a consideration, but I suppose you've got to you've just got to put your marker in the sand at some point. You know, mm. why why are things expensive? Well, there is a difference between something being expensive and something being good value. Um, you know, just because something's expensive doesn't mean it's not great value. And, you know, the Thermae is a great example of that, actually. Chase Bliss. That pedal is expensive, especially in the UK. Okay? Mm. But it's incredible. Now, yeah. it, it does things that no other delay pedal does. So guess what? At that point... If that's what sound you want, it's good value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you're absolutely right, and I guess that's kind of where um, uh, you, that kind of comes back to what you were saying about all those great analog delays. If you're if you're going to make one, and and it's you know it's it's as you say, it's gonna it's going to be take more time to to design and create than than anything else, and so it's going to have that premium price point. You know, by default attached to it, you've then got to think of well, what what is the what is the price of a secondhand Ibanez eighty nine at the moment, or a, a DM two W, or a carbon copy, which you know mm. it, it isn't a chunk. And then there are loads of things, sort of like uh, on even on the smaller boutique world, Anna Sounds do a fantastic version of the carbon copy with the Utopia delay, or Seymour Duncan even with the Vapor Trails, and and they're all keeping their prices you know relatively low so how do you make something offer more that makes it you know that as you say like value for money that's uh i think I the think, thing sorry you i go. was gonna say just to add on to that i think there's a lot of and i'm 
and I know that um, we've maybe spoke about something similar like this before. I think there's a lot of education to be had because you've probably seen it. The one thing I see all the time on forums as well now is uh, you put a fuzz out and someone goes, uh, yeah, classic example is the JHS um, 60s range that he did that were a Sweetwater exclusive and they were 400 quid and he built them himself. And someone went, that's 20 quid's worth of parts. That's all it needs to cost. And then someone's just like, well, all right, build me five then. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know and i think this is the thing people forget you know someone might look at the fallout cloud and go well i can build a big muff clone and i can get the parts for 30 bucks you know and you just think you you have so much to learn <laughs> i mean look you know it's i suppose it's as effects pedal makers it's not our it's not our job to educate people on how how uh you know capitalism works you know it's, uh, it's just we can we can we can hope for everything to cost two pence but there is a reality. Yeah. You will get it for two pence, but it will be rubbish. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a massive advocate of the fact with, with everything, especially in the gear world, and I think it applies to everything really in the world, um, you, you know, you, you get what you pay for. Like the, and absolutely, you get that with, with guitars. Generally speaking, I'm sure there are some, you know, there are some naff expensive guitars and some fantastic cheap guitars. But generally speaking... You, you, if you're spending more money on something, I do think you're getting a, a better product. That, the, doesn't, that doesn't mean you have to spend the most amount of money on something, but you should really just, you know, I think you should be happy and accept that when you buy a Squire Affinity Telecaster or an Epiphone Les Paul, that Epiphone Les Paul is not as good as the Gibson Les Paul. But it was the best thing that you could afford at that time, and so it's great. And do you know what? Of that. There is nothing wrong with that. You know, all exactly. of these things. Let's be honest. Unless you are you make your money from being a musician if this is your hobby none of this stuff is necessary to your survival right it just isn't and please don't tell them that no well you have to <laughs> you have to be honest but here's a score though we like these things and we want these things because it adds f- flavor to our life and makes makes us happy right and there's nothing wrong with that now i will never say to someone who's just starting out you know, like my son's, my son's 11. He's just started playing guitar. Is he going to get a pedal board full of my pedals from the off? No, that's ridiculous. Why would he? He's a beginner. What he needs is a guitar and a practice amplifier. He he doesn't need the £6,000 loaded pedal board. That's insane. <laughs> All right? <laughs> and and when, when he starts doing pedals, yeah, he can work for him. But... Um, (laughs) but you know my point is i guess no matter what your budget the great thing about the guitar world is there's something for you and just because it's expensive that should be an aspirational product really that's what you're aiming for if you can but if you can't not to worry you'll like you'll get something really good anyway Exactly, and that is exactly why there is a clearance section on the Thorpey Effects website where you can get money off of... (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going there, but anyway, yeah. Well done. (laughs) Thanks, no problem. Anyway, that that actually, that pretty much brings us up to time on this week's episode of the Friday special uh, of Guitar Nerds. So thank you so much, Thorpey, for coming on. I feel like we could probably do another couple of hours of this and and we'd still be... Still so many questions. I'm sorry. I know, I know. I I actually think, you know, we're going to be keeping up this this, uh, Friday special series throughout September. We'd love to get you back on uh, again in like a couple of months and we can maybe talk about some sort of new things or just carry on this discussion because you know I think me and Matt have had a really great time so thank you very much my pleasure me too I've really enjoyed it thank you 
Wonderful. Well, uh, uh, listeners, remember you can check out Thorpe Effects at thorpeeffects.com or you can visit like the many retailers um, uh, that, that, that dispense Thorpe gear worldwide from Anderton's in the UK to Tomin in Germany, AMS in the USA, Vintage Guitars in Norway, Pedal Empire in Australia and loads and loads of others. You can follow Guitar Nerds at Guitar Nerds on all major social platforms and you can join the discussion on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum we'll be back next week with more of this guitar nerdery farewell hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 